0: This is Claudia Gray, and you're listening to Don't Burn the Sacred Text.
1: A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them
2: Obi Wan never told you what happened to your father, he told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Hello. I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. Other chapters here, welcome to Don't Burn the Sacred Text, your only official Clashing Sabers Star Wars book podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We have a new canon book, so you know we're talking about it. And I could not do it without my co-host. She is more exciting than Chasna Chaddock listening to a surprise album from Finn in and the Modal Nodes. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Lindsay.
1: Did you just sneak a Taylor Swift reference in there?
2: Yeah, I did. (laughs) Here with us today is the Hound Squadron to our Riot Squadron. From Sith Talk, we have Zach Chrisman and the Sammy B.
0: What's up? How's it going? going? We are so
2: excited to have you guys back on. And obviously, uh, this is... Shadowfall is book two of the Alphabet Squadron series uh, and we had you guys on for the original uh, Alphabet Squadron book which Sammy completely changed my mind on and note I reread it and it's way better than I remembered it being so uh, I'll be interested to see what happens with this book as we go on but before we get into the real meat of the show just a couple of updates we do have our patreon up and fully running now uh we have seven levels to choose from and each of them has its own rewards including commentaries uh getting to choose books to send to students uh priority in uh in terms of of getting teachers names into our nominations and all kinds of different things so all funds from that are go to buying and shipping books to, to students and classrooms across the country. Uh, it does not cover any of our overhead costs or anything like that. So everything you're donating is helping in getting those books there. So. If you could jump over there, see which level you would like. We've got some content up already, uh, like our our movie commentaries that are available for a mere $3 a month. Uh, and we've got some more coming, including uh, analysis of other films, uh, Clone Wars and Rebels commentaries, all kinds of good stuff. So that is over at patreon.com slash clashingsabers. If... You would like to nominate a teacher uh, for that Patreon money to go towards, all you have to do is go to clashingsabers.net, click on the menu in the top right corner, and you can find our nominated teacher page. Uh, I am looking right now uh, for a couple upper elementary or middle school uh, teachers, so, particularly if you have uh, any that you know, please go over and nominate them because we really want to help. Uh, help kids start off this uh, insane year because it's already going to be insane uh, with knowing that people people care about them uh, the teacher does not have to be a Star Wars fan to get these care packages uh, there's all that all that we need is just for you to nominate them because really it's about getting the kids excited about reading and like I said making sure that they know uh, that people out there have their backs and, and that's something that we're doing uh, in this so With that idea of new books and stuff in mind, I wanted to talk to you guys about what Star Wars book you've been most excited about getting and then starting to read. So for me, it was like a New Dawn, uh, which you guys all know I love Rebels, and Rebels was a big factor in that. But also, it was this fresh start of the canon uh i hadn't really been into to the eu too much Uh, i'm getting into it now but i felt overwhelmed with trying to start that and understand everything that everybody was talking about so going to to get a new dawn in barnes and noble i literally just like held it in my hands and looked at it for a couple of minutes because i had been so excited about finally getting some star wars books that i could get into without you know the the weight that legends has on it so that's for me, uh, Sam. For you, what was what was that book that got you just so excited to to get and finally start reading?
3: Um, I mean, there uh, there's there's so many for different reasons. I feel like I would have to be honest and say Alphabet Squadrons. Both of those I was just super excited for because I was always such a big fan of the X-wing books. Again, for me, when I think of Star Wars, I, I think of fighters and uh, the space battles and that stuff. So. It was always those books that I I thought of first that I was always, like, the most excited, like, can't wait to start it, can't wait to read it, even though I I also do have to give honorable mention to, of course, the Ahsoka book, which I I, I did thoroughly enjoy. But, I mean, I I don't know if I ever was more excited to, like, hit play, like, I woke up early to listen to it uh, than both of the Alphabet Squadron books
2: so did you were you into the x-wing and stuff before uh the new canon started or is this like finally you got the book you wanted yeah
3: i mean like i i I enjoyed them i definitely would say that i i I read them when i was much much younger and i've been meaning to actually like reread them um technically if i was going to be say like where my 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 true love of like fighter games was that it always goes back to like the rogue squadron game for like n64 yeah but um yeah but like i always enjoyed those when i was a kid like the x-wing books when i was young it's just i definitely have been needing to re-listen to those but um i i enjoy how they handle the new canon books so i was excited to see how they would do them and so far not trying to release any of my reviews early but i have positive feelings about it
2: all right, uh, Zach. What about you? What was that book that got you? And and this can be legends or uh, or new canon. Uh, but what what got you really excited to start reading?
0: Man, I always just feel like a broken. Uh, what is it? A uh, what's the terminology? A broken. Anyway. Uh, I- I- I don't know what a record is. Hey, what yeah, what does record, have? Broken record. My bad. I was, I was
1: like, is this a trick question? Is he setting up a punchline? <laughs> no.
0: I no, thought no, you no, were no, going no.
2: for uh, like what the equivalent in Star Wars would be, and I was trying to think <laughs> of what Chas calls <laughs> her cassette true. tapes, <laughs>
0: memory. No. Um, for me, honestly, the first Star Wars book that I had read in a long time was Darth Plagueis. Right when it came out, I spent my last. Uh, money on graduation because I took my graduation money and I bought and uh paid for recording time for our band and then I had like 25 bucks left and I bought Darth Plagueis and read it in one sitting but the new canon it's definitely master and apprentice for me because I was I was very happy with what we had gotten so far there was pretty much only a couple books that I wasn't really like feeling um and I know I'm like the minority, but like twilight company was the one that didn't really catch my attention, but like everything else was going good, but master, <laughs> you and you are not was like, in okay, the minority on that. No. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I've heard a lot of good things about it. Some people really love it. Um, for me, it just didn't really catch my attention. Um, but master and apprentice was the one that was really hot. And then following, uh, dooku, uh, the dooku audio drama was really, really good for me. Um, So those would be the top two canon ones, and then obviously Darth Plagueis uh, was really good. Uh, The Darth Bane trilogy is still really up there, but it's not something that I was looking forward to. I just fell upon it finally. So that would be for me.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I I would second a lot of those. I just reread probably last year the Bane trilogy and Plagueis, and they're both just still so good and really, like... The one thing I like about the new canon for me and is that I feel like it really gets to the core of what Star Wars is a little better than Legends did um, because Legends was so action-adventure sci-fi uh, and not really about the the lore building um, that I know, Zach, you appreciate uh, as much as I do. And those books really, really did that and so did, like, Master and Apprentice. And uh, there are a lot of people that like Twilight Company, but Lindsay and I are not two of
0: them. <laughs> well, <laughs> not in that group. Well, I mean you know, without getting into any of the reviews or, or the, the next book that we're actually talking about today, um, I, I agree with the heart of Star Wars. The new canon really does master, like, especially with the books, the kind of feel and heart of Star Wars, but I'm starting to look forward to the High Republic because right now, like I said, without getting anything, I'm craving a new feel and a new effect. I'm kind of i've had everything i've needed to have of this kind of feel and i'm kind of i'm looking to the horizon because i think that's what i need now with star wars
2: yeah i think i think that's definitely going to be it's going to be interesting to see how that develops as the stories continue to roll out because i feel like uh you know they're gonna start going backwards more than um staying in the the You know, uh, Force Awakens sequel trilogy kind of time period, uh, because I don't think a lot happened in that 30 years uh, in between. You know, Um, I think there's definitely some like Luke training people and stuff we can get, like we did with uh, Rise of Kylo Ren, but I really think the stories to be told are the ones that were before the prequels, and those are the people that have the disposable income right now. So. Those are the people that are going to be buying your books. So, Lindsay, what about you? What is what's that book that got you just so excited to get? I have a feeling I know what it is, but
1: I actually don't know if you do. Mine might surprise you or at least leading into it. So, leading into it and I mean, you know, like the coming months and weeks, I was probably most excited for Bloodline actually because <gasps> that was wow. that was like the first kind of expansion where we had some frame of reference for The Force Awakens, we knew who some of the major players and characters were gonna be, but it was also the first time where we had questions going into it. You know, so so New Dawn and even everything after Bloodline, there were questions that had to be answered, but Bloodline was like the first one in so long, that it was like, here is the litany of things I want to know about. Here's where I want to see those deep dives. And then just kind of having a little bit of everything built into that book was really exciting. But similar to Sam, I think once I read the first couple of pages of Master and Apprentice, that's the one that I truly like. sat down and just dug into and could not stop reading. Bloodline, you can... you. Not even you can you almost have to because there's so much in it have to kind of put it down for 30 40 minutes at a time and go back to it but master and apprentice it was like once you <laughs> once you get into it you don't
0: stop well what's funny is bloodline is was the first Canon novel that I actually read because for the first couple of years I didn't read the books at all and like I just... I guess two things clicked together, and I was like, oh, wait, you know, I could listen to these books at work. So then I listened to them, and Bloodline will always have, like, the number one nostalgia feel for me because of it being the first novel that I listened to in the new canon and with them kind of overhyping Ryan Johnson's involvement. Obviously, he didn't have that much involvement, but at the time, they were really selling it, like, he almost co-wrote notes with her on it. And it really wasn't that much, but it was was still enough hype that had been heard that he was working with her on it that we thought we were going to get a little extra push.
2: Yeah, and I mean, that and I feel like when Bloodline was coming out, they were still kind of figuring out how to market Star Wars, you know, with that kind of overhyping things to get people excited, but not actually... Not actually revealing what happens. I, I feel like they've kind of somewhat come to a balance of the, of uh, those two things with you know like the Mandalorian. But um, Lindsay, I would have I would have bet money on you saying Black Spire, like hardcore.
1: It was it was close, but I just maybe it's because it was it was the first one in so long. I vividly remember just sitting there like itching for this book to come out.
2: No, I mean I. I I can't fault you there. It's a Claudia gray. It's Leia. You, you can't, you can't go wrong with the, that combination uh, as she has proven time and again, but okay. So I want to go back to, to Zach because you mentioned uh, you know, high Republic uh, coming out. Is that the thing in terms of like star Wars print materials that you're most excited about? Uh, Cause we've got some, some new announcements with like Mandalorian books coming out and stuff like that is, is your heart set on like, High Republic is where it's at or is there something else that kind of maybe you're a little more excited for?
0: Uh 100% and I almost I almost want to say the High Republic is the most the, the thing I'm excited for the most in Star Wars right now. It's really kind of the thing that's keeping me excited um and there's there's a lot of things to unpack as to why I I love Star Wars. I've always loved Star Wars, but I'm just I'm honestly so ready for some new things to happen. And I think back, going backwards in time to kind of go to an area where people have the freedom that isn't around the original trilogy and the prequels, that's what made the Old Republic special. And the High Republic doesn't have to be a knockoff on the Old Republic. They can still do the Old Republic. This is called the High Republic. It will be different. There's like no... Doubt in my mind that it won't be different. Um, and I read the first chapter that they released and I'm, I'm excited because I, I need something new here and I need something that isn't afraid to, to push some boundaries and it's not stuck to a timeline that needs to, well, you can't do certain things because this happens over here. We're just filling in a lot of spaces. So yeah, I, I think the, the high Republic in general, I don't think Taika is going to do a high Republic movie. Um and I think getting a High Republic Jedi game is dependent on this books and universes that they are creating, but that is what's keeping me excited is that horizon that we might actually get some some new ground because I desperately I, I desperately need it with Star Wars right now.
2: Yeah, I just read uh, Shadow Shadow Games, uh out of Legends, and it what I really liked about it is it was it was disconnected from the larger story for the majority of the time, but then it attached to the rebellion. And it didn't—you didn't spend a lot of time with the rebellion, but there was connective tissue there. And you're just like, okay, I can kind of place why they're doing this, how they're doing this, all of that stuff because I have some frame of reference. And I think that's what we're going to get with Hyper Republic because we do have characters like Yoda and like uh, you know some of the other Jedi who, you know, live for hundreds and thousands of years that may be around at this time period, but you don't have to center everything on it, which I think is is really exciting. And, and, you know, especially if Mandalorian starts to seep into, you know, all the rumors that we're starting to get about everybody on the face of the earth being in that show, uh, High Republic could be really refreshing. So, Sam, what about you? Is Are you High Republic ready to go? Or is there something else that's kind of... Got some wind in your sails.
3: High Republic isn't on my forefront, no. I mean, again, we're, we're just, we're, we're repeating, we're, we're um, repeating holocrons. I'm trying to think of the best parody of Broken Record. Uh, <laughs> uh, glitching holocrons. Because, I mean, I am excited for High Republic, and I think I will be once I see more, and I'm like closer to the finish line, in a sense, on like, okay, this is, it's coming out soon now. My mind, I mean, I'm still hyped about uh, Squadrons. Like, I am still riding that high of how good that game looks. Like, I can't wait to play that with, like, a VR set. And, I mean, how I'm bringing this back to the books is is how it looks like we're going to be getting a little bit of uh, Admiral Ray Sloan yes. going of the game. And, I mean, talk about long time coming. I mean, she was in uh, A New Dawn was the the first new canon book, right? And yeah. she was a character that was her first appearance was that book, right? Like I'm not yeah. making that up.
2: No, no, so, like, no. John Jackson Miller, what,
3: a character who has come such a long way from being like this this small cadet and is to the side of the story to now being the it character, and also she appears in the uh the uh, at the very end of the um Shadowfall book. But I mean, that's that's exciting for me to see how finally some of these characters that they've introduced and have had great backstories and, and intrigue are finally being brought to the forefront and being used in a great way. So I mean, that's where my head's at. Is I'm I'm still very excited on that front of things. Um, book wise, I know we've got a uh, a Pope Dameron book coming out in like a couple days.
0: Yeah, so
3: it's a good
2: um, one too. It's a it's a really good one. Um.
3: So and that, Afra's
0: out on Audible.
3: Yeah, oh, that's another one I gotta be going back for, and um, and then we'll get a new Thrawn coming out soon, and I, I, I am excited to see how they'll take Thrawn, but it, again, that isn't like my go-to. Like, oh man, I love the new Thrawn books, but as far as like, I am excited for High Republic, but like again, my my quote-unquote brand is very much the, the fighter aspect and with squadrons coming out and we've still just had Shadowfall come out recently. I've been riding that high big time. Well
2: and I think, you know, something that Squadrons is going to provide is showing that characters like Ray Sloan can go from the books into the video games and maybe even, you know, TV shows and movies later on uh because you're even going to get like you're getting Hera in a different capacity than you've ever seen here you're going to get Vanguard Squadron like that story is happening almost parallel to to what we're going to talk about today so I think if that is something that is successful and really hits with fans it's going to just be more of an encouragement of this High Republic stuff to you know create more content because once they th- I feel like a lot of times once they get something that they really are like oh people like this they do kind of go overboard with it, but that mm-hmm. might be a good thing, going overboard with squadrons and, and High Republic and stuff we haven't gotten before. So, uh Lindsay, tell us why you are most excited about the Thrawn books that are coming out.
1: <laughs> Screw you. What? <laughs> no, it's not oh, you that? Know, you know me and Thrawn. Best of buddies. Just can't wait. I'm sure it'll be something totally new. It'll be so different. We're going to see a side of Th- Thrawn we haven't seen before. And please, dear Lord, tell me you can hear the sarcasm in my voice for all of this.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that last one really, really dragged.
3: Yeah, it, Dude, it's, it was uh, a not a fan.
0: I love I, my, yeah, my favorite one was by far the one with Vader because and it wasn't the Thrawn part. It was literally just all the way that he was writing Vader and Anakin that was it like that was the only thing in that book that i was and the new species i'm i'm i thought they were going to go farther into the unknown regions but honestly at this point with a lot of other stuff in star wars i'm just like yep this was a dud they said they were going to go here and they just never went anywhere my mind thought and it just it i don't know i don't know it's the Thrawn books, they have this like excitement where you think you're going to get something and then you don't get what you think you're going to get. And then the rest of it is just all his expression moves further. His face on his eyes. I feel like once you,
1: once you read one Thrawn book, you've read them all. So. But the thing That's is,
0: the the Hair to the Empire stuff, um, that stuff is not like that at all. And that's why I love those books. Thrawn
1: is in it, though.
0: Thrawn, Thrawn is, yeah. Thrawn is, Thrawn, yeah, Thrawn is the same in all a, the books. Much. Much. He's not the focal point of the book.
2: That's, so it's not that's constant. That's
1: exactly it. I don't need he another was... Thrawn, a book about Thrawn. I'm fine with Thrawn being in things. I just right. don't need, you know, another 350 plus pages of.
2: Well, to be fair, Lindsay, it's going to be three books. So we're talking more like a thousand pages. Okay. Oh. i i think we might if if we if we do like going back to that connective tissue if we do go further out in the unregions like maybe we start to see uh some some of palpatine's machinations out there which could be really cool um and, and i think going early for thrawn is is a good thing because you know we can maybe see him develop those skills and maybe there's a mentor he learns from uh you know you can You can have rivals actually beat him, you know, because uh, you're not like in that little time period that happens between uh, the episodes of Rebels that he's in. So we'll see. We'll see. But for real, Lindsay, what's what are you most excited for right now?
1: I would, yeah, I'm gonna go with Sam and say Poe Dameron. But I said walking out of Rise of Skywalker, you know, I really wanted to learn more about that. I wanted to learn more about Zori Bliss, and if I'm not mistaken, it's a young adult novel. And I have to be honest, I tend to lean
2: towards those a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, and it's got some good Zori stuff in it. She's a a, a focal character right alongside Poe, and. Just if you guys who uh, are listening uh, haven't listened to Adriana, Adriana and I uh, interviewing Alex Segura about uh, Poe Dameron, definitely go check that out. Uh, whether whether you liked or didn't like what they did with Poe in Rise of Skywalker, uh, he did a really fantastic job of not catering to uh, fans in any sense, but writing a story that can connect with people who felt both ways, which is is really exciting. But before we get to that, we got to get into Shadowfall. And, of course, as always, this is going to be full spoilers and everything like that. So if you haven't read the book, I don't know why you even click the play button. Pause it, come back, and we'll talk about it some more. Uh, I wanted to kind of look at this... Not, I wanted to kind of just go through this with each character or a grouping of characters because... A lot like *Empire Strikes Back*, this is this is that dark middle chapter where they split the heroes up, and, and everybody has to face their own perils, and uh, some do so more successfully than others. So, let's start with uh, you know what? Let's start with with my boy Will Lark, uh, and and we'll throw Nath in there too, uh, because they're kind of a, a team. Uh, what did it, Lindsay? What did what did you think about how they they handled uh, this duo uh, as they were throughout this book?
1: I thought it was a nice little odd pairing. It was probably the most predictable pairing that you would have come up with for the five characters, but that didn't necessarily make it bad. You know, I I think what I struggle more with is they are, at least in this book, the two more technical, I guess, writing samples that we have. You know, it's it's not like they're going on these fun ground mystery adventures, they're trying to collect all this information. It really was probably a little bit more of Sam Speed, where it's like, hey, here are these two two pilots, here's the tactic behind how they're flying, what they're flying, where they're landing it. So it it was a little frustrating for me because that was a pairing that I would have liked to explore more as characters. It's just that the situations that they were in were a little bit more lost on May.
2: Well, I feel like they, um, you know, Alexander Freed wrote Twilight Company and, and the 61st is, is in this book also. I feel like that was kind of the side of the book where he got his Twilight Company side out of things. And, uh, the rest of the book is where we get more of the character stuff like we did with Jin and Rogue One that I really love. Um, so Sam with that being said with the you know more of the technical military tactics and and fighter pilot type stuff did you were you feeling it what what did you think about Will and Nath in this one
3: Um I think Will and Nath are good characters and I think they also embody two very different styles of how you would imagine your typical pilots to be I mean, Nath Tenzin is your, you know, your your gruff kind of like ah, he's got a a broken down Y wing, but he still goes out there and gets the job done, whether he wants to or like wants to or not kind of thing, and especially when they're 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 sort of trapped in the city, it really changes the the dynamic because I mean I, I very much think of um you know especially with fighter pilot stories you this is supposed to be you, know, you think about squadrons versus each other and this is about uh alphabet squadron versus um shadow squadron but this was a a ground war and they were support for people and how you know they were like sort of viewed as the heroes and how nath sort of comes around again he was very much this kind of there because he had to be and wanted his revenge and then once he was done he was done and um that then they were the the heroes to the guys on the ground and understanding the loss much more personally because when you're you know you think of like fighter pilots everything kind of happens far away even your you know i think um, there's a there's a spot in the book where uh they talk about where will doesn't like the fact that he can see so clearly that what's happening and that the life the lives are being lost and the damages where when you're in space, you just kind of see poof and there they go where they're they're very much seeing it in their face and it's it's much more gritty and real and like you said, very similar to a Twilight Company um, feeling to it with those two characters but um yeah I, I do think they had the most predictable sort of character development arcs um, out of the the squadron, but that's not to say I didn't like them, and I didn't enjoy their their struggles in their their, the conflicts that they went through. But um, I definitely feel like I need more out of them to feel like they've had their complete character arc considering the next book will be the last one. Yeah.
1: And you know, it's funny too, that you mentioned that, you know, the, the big central theme of this book and what I'm guessing is the entire trilogy will be, is that dealing with trauma, that PTSD. And mm-hmm. oddly enough, I think that these two characters are the ones dealing with it in the healthiest ways. So it's, again, a little bit less interesting for me personally, because I really like watching how the other characters struggle with it and how they start to deal with it or even realize that it's something they're dealing with. Whereas these two guys, it's kind of just like, yeah, they they know they've been through some stuff. They know that they are struggling they're dealing with it in relatively healthy ways so that's not really like the most captivating part of the story for me
3: well one other thing i wanted to add was especially with will his big character arc i think is really going to resolve once um he and i can't remember the exact i think it was blink was the character who he keeps trying to reach out to in shadow squadron he has such a a heart that he almost was like torturing himself with it and I, i very much i I don't say identify with that i think i do similar things that will would do i think i would end up doing personally um I, I, even though he might not be my favorite character i think we would make the same decisions a lot of the times and for him he's torturing himself because he keeps he wants to do things peacefully he he sees the human element on the other side and he's so desperately trying to reach out for it and he he's gonna get burned most likely we'll see but um, that's probably his most fascinating aspect. And, of course, that still needs to be wrapped up in the next book.
2: See, I come down a little bit differently on that because I kind of look at Will and Nath as kind of the Han and Luke, if you will, of, of this uh, series. And what I mean by that is, like, Will like Luke is the character that we wish we could be right. Uh, He is somebody who has a good heart, a solid moral compass. He's going to make the right choice, right? Like it's predictable, but that's, you know, we need that kind of hero. Sometimes he's, he's the hero we can aspire to being. Whereas Nath is more of the Han Solo because he's who we actually are. He's made mistakes. He's learned from them. He has to live with the scars that it's given him. They've given him, you know, um, and, and, He's trying to, in a way, in a way, protect Will uh, from making those same mistakes by by being there and kind of guiding him along, you know, that journey. So I, I think it's kind of a, they're kind of two sides of the same coin almost.
3: Yes, perfect.
2: So, Zach, what about, what worked for you, didn't work for you as far as, like, Will and Nath is concerned in their story throughout the whole thing?
0: Well... I'll be honest, Um, I like Will, I I agree with everything that you're saying, that's the unfortunate thing, is because I really don't have much more to offer, except that I do agree with you guys, Um, I definitely think Will, I like listening to the fact that he feels things more than other people, like that kind of heart is something I need in a book, um, even though I know that I am not that style of human being, I think it's great that he is and it's commendable. Um, and I, I really like that arc and where it's going, but um, overall I just with, with Will, I, I relate to other characters more, but I always love, I think Will's probably my favorite character to listen to. Like when it comes to the story, because I, I kind of like his intentions the most. And I, I like where he's going the most. Not not even just narrative, like, just in his head. I'm like, I, I don't relate with him, but I love listening to him. It's like a good Spider-Man for me. Like, I love reading Spider-Man because Peter Parker is just so happy all the time. And, like, he deals with sadness way harder than anybody else. So, like, when he's sad, you're like, whoa, now I need to, like, I feel this. I feel this a lot harder. But then, like, there's that ray of hope he's a lot less like a like a batman gristled and so it makes it makes more of a light reading um than a lot of the heavier stuff it feels more genuine not not that everything else doesn't feel genuine he just is genuine and i appreciate the genuine feel of his character which is why he's my favorite
2: you get what you get with him like you, you you know exactly what you're getting with the character which yeah I think it's something really important. But
0: that's
1: why I like Nath a little bit more for that exact reason, because to me, it's he is the honest and sincere one. And it's fun seeing where he goes, because at least to me, he picks up on a lot of things no one else does. But then he chooses to stay silent about it. And to me, that is the right thing more so than Will going on these emotional journeys. I think the most interesting thing about Will is actually his background and where he's from and how his culture has shaped who he is. Once you get past that, I'm not really that interested in what's going on with Will now and where he's going in the future. I would much rather be in Nath's mind than I would Will's.
3: One thing to jump off of, and I don't want to shift characters that we're talking about, but you, you are very right about Nath being more considerate than we realize because half the time, especially during Shadowfall, he is the one looking out the most for um Erica's best interests, whether she realizes it or not. Like he's like, hey, you know, you gotta you gotta open up these people. You've gotta be more human with them because she's so wrapped up in her own head that she can't see through the forest, through the trees. And he's always the one kind of like nudging her along. Like, Hey, come on. Why don't you, why don't you open up a little bit? Why don't you say something? He's always, he was looking out for her more than she realized.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I mean, so here's a thing I found really interesting and, and I think it's important to talk about here. So going back to a new dawn, John Jackson Miller did something really interesting by having, uh, this planet and moon so in so close to each other the gravity pulling on each other so much that if if one were to be hurt the other would be destroyed right which is a, a way of kind of setting up that parallel between Kanan and Hera, where they're going to depend on each other forever and you know we even get some of that with Hera in the book you know even though canaan is gone uh and and it's years after the events of rebels she's still very much impacted by the character that he was and the person that he was right and in this book alexander freed similarly similarly uses the the planet to kind of tell part of that story because he has it set next to this black hole right which is literally it black holes suck all the light and life out of everything which is kind of what's happening to to the characters here and with Will that's manifesting with him you know in this unfamiliar situation having to make calls for the first time and not know knowing morally what the right thing to do is, but maybe not knowing tactically what the right thing to do is. Whereas Nath is somebody who can definitely tell you the tactical, but he's struggling with the morality of it. Right. So there's that, that tension of, okay, so how, and I think this is a big question of the book is like, what makes us heroes versus what makes us villains, you know, and, and what do the sins, how much do the sins of the past affect us? Right. Because we do have a character like Will, who for all intents and purposes is Air quotes pure, you know. Uh, he hasn't really done any anything atrociously evil. Uh, he always is, is trying to do that moral thing. Whereas Nath straight up has done some bad stuff, uh, but he's good now, you know. And, and the other character that I think kind of, I mean, this is it, it's true for Quella, which we'll get into later. But the other character I really, really felt this kind of idea of the black hole and and sucking away at the good that exists within this character is Chas. The Shattuck, to me she's the most compelling character in the book because she simultaneously knows she's making a bad call and knows she's also not going to do anything but that you know she's always the one who's wanting to rush off and and just literally thinks she can take on the whole empire by herself and it ends poorly, but she never learns from those mistakes. And it, it starts to tear more and more away from her. And that dynamic that's set up with her having grown up in this cult and then getting put into a cult of, you know, she believes in herself so much that it's unhealthy. Right. And that's exactly what a cult does. A cult is not is this obsession with someone or something that is, to the point of it being unhealthy and dangerous for the people who are a part of it. And I think that's what we get with Chas in, in this book, is literally she's making the same call over and over again, expecting different results, and it ends badly every single time.
1: I love Chas. That, to me, is hands down my favorite character, my favorite storyline, but it was written for someone like me with my interest because... I, there's no good way to say this. I love cults. Like, I just, I love reading about them. I love listening to any kind of podcast, watching any kind of documentary. That to me is just a fascinating subject. So, to take a character and say, this is the environment that she grew up in, she escaped, she looks down on this, she looks down on anyone who's going to join one. She's going to then become a crazy, interesting character who has all these struggles. She doesn't deal with it in the right way. I like that she, you know, gets absolutely hammered every night and essentially drives home, but then she's good enough to wake up and. You know, just boot and rally in the morning and do what has to be done. I think that's functional really, alcoholism. Really yeah. What's, functional what's <laughs> alcoholism. better than that? But then <laughs> oh, be able to say like you're you're going to put this interesting character right back in the mess that she started in, and now let's see how she deals with that. There is absolutely no way out of this situation for her that, to me, is just a good character. It's a good plot device. It's just good writing all around. So I don't even really know if it's that Chas herself is my favorite character. I'm 95% sure that she is. Oh, she's definitely mine. Like, 105%. Like, Like
0: 100% Chas, for sure.
1: Yeah, I just like that storyline. You know, to me, this entire book kind of felt like the part in Scooby-Doo, where they're like, let's split up, gang and they go their separate ways like that's not quite as fun but the 33% of the book that's dedicated to that storyline like that's the that's the one that i would want to follow and i would want to keep expanding on
2: okay so let me ask you this because we get this cult with a uh, what is it called the the children of the sun or something like that something we have
3: like the fallen Sun or something yeah
2: some, some, something to that nature and so awesome it's alluded to that a lot of cults have kind of risen up after the fall of the empire. Right. But I was thinking about like, and actually it, if you guys haven't watched the, uh, the, the limited series uh, Waco on Netflix, it's about the, the Waco cult and it's, it's really fascinating. It. Yeah. It's, it's really good. And, and somebody mentions at one point on the radio there that like Christianity was considered a cult when it first started. And and to, to some people it may still be today, but regardless like the idea is like we call these things cult when they're cults when they're things we don't understand and things that we don't relate to right? right with that being said the guardians of the wills the Jedi the Sith like are they are they cults are they viewed as cults by other characters in the story like it just opened a, my my mind a lot to this idea of the different interpretations that people have for different aspects of the galaxy that maybe we take for granted being the audience, being able to see it actually happen and know what, you know, really happened.
1: Well, I think the cult too, especially in this case, you know, you could make this for even real world cults like in Waco, like Gate of Heaven. You know, there's... This aspect that we see Chaz go through where she's talking to cult members and to them, they can kind of look past the we're hoarding weapons thing because it's good for them as individuals. They see themselves as good people. They see themselves as part of the family. This isn't like a Manson type cult where they're going out and murdering people every night. No, to them, it's a genuinely good thing. And what I find to be the most interesting parallel there is that's what Erica felt about the Empire. She joined because individually it was good for her. And it started out as, you know, an okay means to an end. In the rebellion, same thing. It is good for those individual people. And they didn't see it as an evil organization. So, really, a cult is just the third example of exactly what both sides of the war were doing.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean... I mean,
0: I I think it's really your opinion. I mean, technically you know, people will call something a cult or a religion based on their point of view of the actual said organized group. I mean, some people would consider the Sith a cult and the Jedi a religion, and other people would... um, The Jedi would consider the Sith a cult, for sure. And then, the you know, the Sith would look at the Jedi as naive cultists like I mean I I think it's just depending on your point of view a cult is kind of a negative word for religious organization and sometimes a smaller organization that even half the time people don't necessarily understand
2: and I think that's something that Alexander Freed like with Chaz and with all of the characters really with this idea uh, of the cults and stuff is he's really in a, in a really good, natural way, I think, presenting the idea of, you know, the the cliche, a certain point of view, right? But, you know, in, in the last book, we got the, uh, not the Admiral, but the the one they call Grandmother, I can't remember exactly what rank she is, um, who calls the Rebellion the Separatists because she she's right. like, they're all the same, right? And we're like, wait a minute, no, because that's not how it works. Um, and then, you know, we have... People who call the the rebellion terrorists in like Inferno Squad, I think they refer to them as terrorists, right? Which we obviously wouldn't consider that. So that idea of all these different points of views and and how do you handle them? I feel like it all feeds in through Chas, right? Like she she has her problems with Will, but also it recognizes the morality of him, you know, Um, and she doesn't trust. Well, And that gets validated, really, in this book when she finds out about her, which causes her to just lean into her, you know, aggressive, no half measures type of, of attitude that leads to her, her getting stranded. Yeah, it's like...
0: And I don't also know. So why I hate Erica Quell? I'm sorry. I had to go there. <laughs> it was <laughs> okay.
2: <bad>. So let, <laughs> let, let's take it now, Zach. Tell us. Tell us about Quell. Why do you? Oh my why God. do you not like Quell? What's going on?
0: Because I thought that after the first book, which if anyone remembers, did not care for that much, um, did not have a desire to reread it again. Like Quell beats herself up that entire book, and I just kind of thought at the end of that book that that would be like, you know, her learning experience, like, Oh, it's a new chapter in my life. I need to believe in myself more. And, you know, I can't look back at what I was. I got to see myself for who I am today and what I'm doing. I thought that's the kind of quell that I would get in this book, the quell that's like kind of, you know, learned a little bit more. And it just like, at least in the very beginning, for sure, it's just like, Oh, overthinking again, feeling guilty, um, and I, and they're all valid reasons. Like, I'm not saying she's wrong for feeling that way. It's just like, it got a little bit repetitive. Like for people that watch, that have watched arrow back in the day, the whole series, Oliver Queen is like saying, I can't get close to anybody. Cause I get him hurt. And then he like gets close to somebody and then the villain goes after them. And then he's like, ah, uh, see, this is why it's just like, it's justified, but it's repetitive. And Quell beats herself up a lot, but it's just like I kinda wish that she would just go in head first and 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 kinda like suck it up. Like you, you did what you did and I I don't know. It's it's I'm coming it's at it really harsh. Better, no, that's such a better analogy
1: than I would give her though. Because like so my friend one time described this girl at a bar as You know, she starts to get less annoying, but then you go to the bathroom and you come back and it's like she just resets. And that's how I feel about Erica Quell.
0: Like, it's, it's, to me, it's like, shit or get off the pot, dude. Like, I understand you did a lot of messed up stuff, and I understand, like, that's good that you feel guilty about that stuff, but, like, you're in the rebellion right now. Like, if you want to make up for it, you are in a fighter right now. Like, you are making a difference right now. Like either see it as and that or like because you're, to me it's you're like just...
1: she just needs to be told the same thing over and over and over like how many times can you have someone tell you hey open up to your squad squadron a little bit hey get to know these guys get to understand where they're co-. like how many times and how many well, different but people I, does she need to teach her that lesson i i think that's
2: something realistic and sam i know you you you're a, a fan of Quell, so i'm gonna throw this to you in just a second but it reminds me a lot of like when I was really struggling with my eating disorder, right? Like, I was aware of the fact that I had an eating disorder. I was aware of the fact that I was probably killing myself slowly, right? But I never had the right person say the right things to me. Everything was, you know, why don't you just stop going to the gym so much? Why don't you just eat a, a hamburger, you know? Like, and that wasn't the point of what was going on with the trauma that I was dealing with, right? It manifested through those, but that wasn't the real trauma that I was dealing with. And I had to be told again and again and again and again, like hundreds of times that I needed help, that I was hurting my family, that like the consequences were never enough until the right person started to to talk to me. It turned out to be my, my sister, you know, and... Here, I think we kind of get that with Quell is yes, she's making the same mistakes over and over again, because she needs to, I guess, be validated that her struggle is real and that somebody else understands what she's going through, which I think is what she gets in that that moment with, you know, the the torture droid, you know, she had her droid DL six, in the last book who gave his life uh, for her mission, and she wears that for him. The the I guess his memory chip around you know as a necklace and she almost is trying to be that but doesn't know how to be and in a weird way like by putting by giving that memory stick to Ito uh, to to kind of help him come back to who he is supposed to be i think she kind of discovers who she thinks she's supposed to be even though that is not who we want her to be because obviously by the end of the book she's going back to the empire so sam you you blew my mind about quell and, and interpreting the character last time and talking about the trauma and ptsd and that's something that i really read this book with so did did quell did she work for you here too are you still a fan or where where do we stand on that
3: I, I also didn't get to say anything about Chass, so... Um, oh, my bad. Real, no, real quick, I think... I'm trying to remember what I was going to say about chess. Chass is a, a great... I, I don't know, I think Chass and Quell are fascinating mirrors of each other. Of they're, they're tortured people who aren't allowing themselves to be forgiven, and they refuse... To accept the forgiveness, because like you guys are like, okay, yeah, you know, just move on, be done with it. Where I feel like, well, I'm not saying
0: life- it like that. I'm just saying the entire first book was about that, and I thought yes. that we were gonna get some development, and we didn't. I'm not saying that. Those those are valid arguments about everything. I'm just saying I thought the first book was about that. So when the second book was immediately again about that with Erica Quell, I it it was a little bit like put me back because i was like i thought we grew from this
3: well i i think the biggest difference in what i was trying to say is that for erica the problem is is was in the whole first book she's and in the second book too she's living a lie you know she told the lies to karen Aiden, and then of course Aiden knows these things and even Aiden doesn't know the full truth but he makes it very clear the whole first book that he's going to hold this over her and she has to deal with that, basically, an imaginary guillotine over her head the whole time as she's doing these things. So it would be easy, seemingly, for her to open up, but she always has this sort of base that she must always keep sealed away because that's the secret that she's keeping. And so for for her character, for so long, you know, it seems like she's, of course, like going through, like, okay, she's slowly gaining the trust of her, her cohorts. She's, you know, she's got the Alphabet Squadron tattoo. Like, she's she's putting forth that effort in her own way, and people are different people. Like, I, I'm a very chatty person, but for some people, it is a huge battle to just go out and be open with people, and for them to be like, okay, just, you know, go out and chat, do whatever you gotta do. So, like, I don't think Erica is a perfect leader. In fact, she's a very imperfect leader but that's what i enjoyed so much about the first book is that this is a squad of imperfect people trying to do something good even if in the beginning their intentions aren't perfect so for erica oh man like at the end there i was so enraptured by like her her slow i mean literally dragging the pain out of her to like make her see clearly like you know you have done bad things but if you can't admit to them you'll never truly heal like, you know, people will say time heals all wounds, but you have to confront these things, and I, I think so much of what she wanted and what we all want in our own lives is that if enough time goes by, it'll just go away, when in fact it'll just become a root in our lives that'll always haunt us, which I think is why us as an audience are so frustrated because we're like, come on, Erika, you, you can see past this, you can see what you need to do to change, but that is such a fundamental Weed that is the roots have grown so deep to be uprooted from that and to change took a lot of great personal change and revealing and torture literally torture. Well,
2: and she has to she has to relive her trauma over and over again right at that Sith temple and that's something that you know it no matter no matter how much you confront or how much the the wounds heal you still have the scars left right so. Like, so, Lindsay, you'll probably be able to help me explain this a little bit better. But my mom was late to my wedding. And immediately that, like, brought back every single piece of childhood trauma that I had. Like, literally in a matter of mere seconds. And I just became, I quickly became, like, the angry person that I was when I was younger, right? Because I was like, well, this is how I've always dealt with it. You know, I hadn't had something like that happen with her since I started rebuilding our relationship. Right. And our relationship was good and everything. And then this happened and it brought back all of those those scars and all of those wounds that even though I've dealt with and I've confronted and I've forgiven her over, it was it was another, I guess, Trauma is overstating it a little bit, but just because that's kind of the language we're using, I'll say it's another piece of trauma that happened that forced those memories to come back to me and and overwhelm me, right? And that's what it is happening. Is here. the
1: word you're looking for?
2: Thank you. It, it triggered yeah. things, and that's that's what you know. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what Quell's facing when she's facing that Sith temple. Right? Is that like now everybody knows who she is? right Everybody is seeing her right And I was standing up in my wedding and I was like, everybody's looking at me and I'm angry just like I was when I was 12 and 13, right And I felt exposed and it wasn't until I like was able to just really face that and say like, you know what I'm not gonna let it ruin me that I was able to overcome it and, and really enjoy the rest of the day right And I think, that's kind of what Quell is dealing with here, except for the fact that she is not she has not done the, the healing work necessary to be able to to get over it. Right. She's always been very uh, apprehensive and pushing back against ITO, trying to help her. She's never really fully opened up to anybody. She puts on a, a mask almost of opening up to people. You know, um, she she gets the alphabet squadron tattoo in a way so that her squadron sees her as a leader. But she's showing them she cares about her or she cares about them, but she's not giving them a chance to care about her.
0: But like, you even know? then, I don't understand still why, she, like, if there's so much going on with her going on, I still I still don't understand why she needs to be the leader then, because I just I. I don't know, because she's going after shadowing, I understand that. I just, I don't know, I guess there's, yeah, definitely sensitive mater- yeah. Yeah, there's definitely sensitive material that goes on, and whenever you're talking about PTSD, whether it's fictional or, you know, that, that stuff's real. I got a lot of friends that, you know, have went through a lot of things, and I've been there every step of the way with friends that have had war PST or PTSD, like... Don't get me wrong. I f- I'm not brushing over that subject. I'm just saying, within the context of this book, Erica Quell isn't super. Ca- I don't understand her just because of who I am as a person. Like I'm more Whoa. more so in the sense that I understand chess. Like when I screw up, I tend to I act out in in more of maybe not driving home drunk like Chas, but I'm just saying like, Hmm. I know what I'm doing. I'm very self-aware. Even when I'm making a mistake, I probably know it's a mistake. I'm still going to do it because I'm a flawed human being. And I pretty much, when I'm at that point, I know I'm making a mistake. I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. And we'll see what happens next. Like, that's why I like Chas more because I take my problems I just I relate to it sometimes.
1: And I want to I want to clarify too with my thoughts on Quill. It's not that I'm saying, you know, if I were to meet this person in real life, I would be like, "Hey, deal with your crap." Like, no. Let's go. It's it's for me just a matter of if I'm sitting down and I'm reading, I fit I feel like I am reading the exact same book that I was with the first Mm -hmm. alphabet squadron i just want something in my reading material a little bit different just to keep my interest it's not that i don't feel sympathy for her it's not that i blame her again if this were a real person in my life i don't think i would sit there and be like i'm bored but (laughs) when i'm reading i sit there and i'm like i'm bored (laughs)
2: well but the the characters in these stories are really giving us like all these different sides of how you know war can affect us uh whether that be like actual physical war or you know our own personal wars that we have going on you know like i mean erica doesn't seek help you know she doesn't accept help from people and like that's really important like if you have If guys, if you're listening and you have troubles of trauma and so like, go to therapy, talk to somebody, right? Because otherwise, you're going to be left like she is with nothing to fall back on except for the things that you know you shouldn't be doing, right? And you start to believe that the way that you were before is just the easier way, right? Like, so guys, you guys will get this because you guys are married. Like sometimes you're like, man, wouldn't it have just been easier if I stayed single? You know, like, you get in a uh, argument or she does something that frustrates you and you're just, like, angry and you're like, I should have just stayed single. Like, my life would have been so much easier. But at the same time, you know that that's not true also. You know what I mean?
0: 100%. Because...
2: Yeah, because... And, and that's, I think, where Quell's my at staff, is she's... I know when
0: I say something messed up and I get in trouble for it, but I knew I was going to say something that'd get me yeah for sure, well, and, and 100%. And, and, and like there's different ways of dealing with that, right? Like
2: we see, we see Aiden and ITO and Kairos who lean into each other and kind of form their own little, you know, family that, that they shelter everybody in from people outside. Right. Then you have characters like Quell who push everybody away. You have characters like Will who try to bring everybody in and you have characters Mm -hmm. like Nath that are, you know, a little farther along the healing process than a character like chas who is really just like the reason i relate to chas so much is because kind of like what you were saying zach like just we just do things and then we deal with the consequences later right like i always say like i'm very brute force like if i can't just like put more power or hit it harder or do it faster and quicker like it doesn't make yep. sense to me you know like so
3: no pain, no game yeah,
2: right. And I think that's kind of what we get with these characters, and and to me is it's really compelling.
3: I got one quick question. You, at the end of the book, Erica takes the ship that she had, and she tracks down Shadow Wing and she joins them. Are you saying that you think she joins because she wants to rejoin them, or because she thinks that's the best way to track them? Because that's how I took it.
2: Oh no! Because remember, she's she cut off the alphabet squadron tattoo
3: no i thought it burned off it was one of those things where off. it was the acid that the, the the ito drive gave her it burned off the tattoo and then she was like okay i'm gonna do the best thing i can do and i'm not gonna lose track of shadowing and she joins them with the intent of that's the only way she can keep track of them is by joining them and that she's still. I didn't take to it like that at Shadow. all. Yeah, no. I think you missed the mark. I mean, that's that's me personally. That's my two cents. I viewed it as okay. I can't go back to them because I've burned those bridges. But I know that Shadow Wing still needs to be defeated. The only way I can follow them and be a part of them is if I rejoin. Maybe that's also me. And I think one funny part, if you guys were talking about like, oh, if Erica was a real person, I wouldn't be you know like dismissing their thoughts i think the hard part is when i get wrapped up in a character i treat them very much like they're a real person and so in my mind part of i think why i like her so much is like i want her to take that next step so badly and i care about the character's next step so badly that i'm like we're gonna get you there we're gonna get you there (laughs) and so like i'm very i'm super invested
2: well yeah i mean i i relate to that you know because you're 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 rooting for her, you know, like she's, she's, she is the, the protagonist of the story. And with it being star Wars, we expect characters like this to be redeemed. And I'm sure we will get a form of redemption in book three, but I think the, regardless of, of my misinterpretation of her actually removing the, alphabet squadron versus well well well, well, i think i think we kind of get to the way you do and i I think we get to the same point of like it's going to leave a scar for her right and sam you you brought up this idea that i hadn't thought about that like it's not that she wants to go back to the empire it's that she can't go back to alphabet squadron right but i also Mm -hmm. think there is that factor of from her certain point of view, I think she sees Soren keys as one of the only mentors, maybe the only mentor who has ever really cared for her as a person, you know, like Hera, I think she views her as she cares for, Hera cares for her as a leader. Aiden cares for her as a spy and as somebody who understands what the empire is doing. Uh, her, Her team, you know, looks to her as a leader. Nobody's looking at her from her point of view in my opinion as a person other than ito and i think if with the the acid coming from ito being the thing that removed her tattoo if we take it from that like that's really important because we've seen quell be somebody who uses talismans to to remind herself of stuff right like and that's something i relate to because like i have my ring that i wear that I got from my dad. I have my necklace that I got from my granddad. Like, these are things that are very important to me. You know, um, I like being surrounded by Ahsoka stuff because when I see that stuff, it reminds me to be the kind of person I want to be, right? And I think that's what we get with Quell with having that memory chip around her. And she's reminding herself of who she wants to be. But then now that she has the scar from ITO who was trying to help her realize that, like that's another factor of trauma that sets her back even more so i would still i still hold that she is going back to the empire because it's the it's her safe place it's the only place she feels like she's understood and can understand the world and that is i mean it's very real it's dangerous but it's real
1: it's really just doesn't make it compelling for me
2: okay that's fair yeah let's talk about the, the least compelling character for me, which is a character that I thought was way too absent from this book, which was hmm. Kairos. Um, what they, what he did with her, what Alexander free did with her. I really liked, uh, but she was in the beginning and the end and nowhere in the middle. Um, and really doesn't play a key role at all in this. I think, I think it sets her up to be a key player in the end, if not the key player in the third book. Um, but honestly, for like two-thirds of this book, maybe more, I forgot she even existed, which is disappointing because uh, the the mystery behind her and the stuff that we got uh, about her relationship with Aiden and ITO I found really, really interesting. And I'm hoping we get to see some more of that from her point of view. So, Sam, for Kairos, did you feel like she was used effectively... Do you think maybe if we had gone back a little bit more and and spent some time with her in recovery, maybe we would have uh, had a little more depth added to her? Or you feel like she's set up well for book three?
3: Oh, I think she's set up good for the third book. I mean, when you split up the gang, you need to focus more on the individuals. And again, I know that for whatever reason, this book keeps me much more engaged and interested than it did for other people. Um, but I think Kairos's character is all about other people's reactions to her, and so I think by pulling her out of the story a little bit, it will make her her presence in the third book even more profound. Because I think she was—I think she's a person who kind of sees you for who you are, or you know can look past past transgressions. And I think that's why you know she was so important with like uh, Kane, Aiden, and, and all them. But you know, because she respected quell enough and quell again came back for her and tried and rescued her and she respected quell um so i think yeah that's definitely going to be a setup for the uh the third one and it may be one of the key reasons if quell has any chance of being redeemed in the eyes of the people in alphabet squadron it will be through, through kairos because she's the only real link she has left that would back her up i feel like
2: And here's something interesting, too, is like she takes off her mask. She shows her real face right at the end of the book at the same time that Quell is going back to the Empire. And I would I would argue Quell is is putting a mask back on, uh, which I think is, is a really interesting dichotomy of. That could set up, like you were saying, some kind of redemption thing because masks are obviously – like they're super important in Star Wars and when and where they come off and on is something super important in Star Wars. So, you know, she's her, – her team is, is broken to bits, you know, even though the majority of the characters are back together. They're not the same characters that started at the beginning of the book. And she almost is, uh, but also – is knows somehow inherently that she has to open up to them in order to help bring them healing, which I think her taking her mask off after physically healing herself is something that kind of points in that direction. Uh, for book three,
1: it better. I mean, if you're gonna sideline a character the entire time and then bring her back at the end, it's gotta be for a good reason,
2: yeah. And and I mean, she's. She's just interesting, you know, and the, the fact that she's so I really find like the the dynamic between Aiden and ITO and uh, and Kairos is is something I really hope we get more of in uh, in the next book, because it reminded me a lot of what EK Johnson did with uh, the handmaidens in, in Queen's Shadow and Queen's Peril, where there's other people around them. There's other people that are saying things to them and asking them to do things certain way and suggesting other things. But at the end of the day, those three are only going to trust those three. You know? Uh, yeah. To the extent that they do. Like, there'll be other characters. Like, I think Kairos trusts the other members of Alphabet Squadron in the same vein that, like, I think Padme trusts Obi-Wan. But it's never going to be as much as Padme trusts Sabe. You know? Uh, which I think is is something interesting because I mean, what this book really does a lot more than a lot of other star Wars. It deals with that middle ground between the, the pure dark and the pure light, uh, that, you know, the majority of people spend their, their, their lives struggling through. So I don't know. I'm, I hope, I hope for more, I hope for more of that. I hope we get some, maybe some flashbacks and stuff with those characters, because I really don't want to be done with Aiden and, uh, and ITO.
3: Can I drop a bomb on you? Please do. Uh, I know this has nothing to do with Alphabet Squadron, so forgive me. And I don't want to. I do not want to like hit the Hornets' nest and run away. You're but, going to. Uh, the uh, Queen's Peril. I would found barely listenable.
0: Are you wow. serious? Because oh, like, yeah. if I'm being straight up honest, I could barely get. Like, I I wouldn't read this book. If uh, I didn't think you guys wanted us to come back and do the third one with you, like I wouldn't read the third one.
3: No, let me. I don't me like this pedal, book, and let I let me loved pedal two bits. Let me backpedal like a little bit. There's nothing wrong with a book being targeted at some people and not others, and in fact, that's the important thing to take away at the end of this. Is that for certain people, this is the book that they need and want, and um, for me personally, I'm not sure what it is about these agonizingly tortured unlikable characters that makes me like them so much um where on the flip side for a book like queen's peril i feel like that was a repeat book of the first queen's shadow book like i felt like i was listening to the same book over again again we're all interpreting these things differently and that's the fun part of star wars is that there's something different for everyone out there so um i i i think that for whatever reason overall this book although it does maybe have some of the same strokes and movements as the first Alphabet Squadron book, I still feel like it's really setting up something interesting for where the third book is going to take us, and it's some interesting resolve to some tortured characters.
2: Okay, so let me let me drop a bomb now, uh, because I, I really did like Queen's Peril, uh, and I really like E.K. Johnston's writing style, which... Like you said, it's different books for different people, different stories for different people, and I think that's something uh, that's really important in Star Wars, right? Like, there's Last Shot is a book that I'm not I'm not crazy about the plot, but I love that they let Daniel Jose Older just go like kind of crazy with the the way that the story is told, and, and that's something that I'm I'm really grateful for, be, and I'm grateful that people enjoyed that story because we can get more stuff like that, where it's it's. Hitting a certain bone for people that may not hit for other people, right? And I love getting stuff that redefines parts of the movie for me. And *Queen's Peril* does that, right, by adding more to like what's happening behind the scenes or off screen. And *Queen Shadow* does something similar. Here, though, there was one connection that really stood out that I could not get out of my mind because this—it does. We talked about it, it. Connects to *Squadrons*. It connects to other things. Like I think whatever we're going to get post-Return of the Jedi, I think, you know, this being immediately after, I think is something that's going to be really intriguing. Like, it happens before the Battle of Jakku and Aftermath and everything. And in those books, in the stories that we have post-Return of the Jedi, the messengers that were sent by Palpatine are super important. And they keep popping up in this book over and over again. And Soren is having to deal with them you know in in a way the one that is there he doesn't it's like a lurking shadow literally like Palpatine so I'm going to throw this theory out here okay and I'm going to see what you guys think I think the messengers while they are designed to enact uh, uh, Operation Cinder and, and things like that and they do you know become kind of an idol a golden calf if you will for some of the people that are still in the empire I think they are, in fact, spying for Palpatine. I think he set this up so that he can get information about what's going on in the galaxy as he starts to rebuild himself, if you will.
1: I like that explanation. To me, it's just they have to have some reason for always being there. And there's, there's other stories where they just keep talking about the messenger being there over and over and over, and it's something that's always just omnipresent. And, you know, classic screenwriting, if you're going to show a gun in the first act, someone better shoot it in the second. Like,
0: they just have to do something with them. So, you mean like I they personally... haven't been doing with other plot things in the novels? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not, listen, I'm not no, hating. I'm no, just, no, I'm you're just right. saying. But
1: that's there's still time. There's still time sure.
0: to go and do all of it. But this and the is reason, one
1: that's so glaring. But, B, I really like that explanation of they're spying.
0: And I think the reason why I struggle with these books versus, like, even a Queen's. Uh, peril, Shadow, like, at the very least, it was a different timeline. Like, how many books have we had that is Empire versus Rebellion, and the Empire people are just people too, and the Rebellion people are like, but they're all like X people, but like, we're still in this war, and like, Operation Cinder is something we've already seen, but like, we're learning tiny little things, I guess. I guess I'm just like, at the very least, Queen's Peril, Master and Apprentice, they're different timelines that haven't been played out. Like I'm I had I had Lost Stars. Uh, I had an aftermath trilogy. Like we've had a bunch of other books, uh Black Spire, um, the one before the the Phasma thing. Like we've we've had a lot of stuff in these timelines already. That's like Rebellion versus Empire versus post versus what happens after and i I guess i'm i'm just a little bit i'm done with it and i we had the fighter relationships before in lost stars and that was my favorite of the versions um and i'm not knocking these i guess i am knocking these books um they're they're great they're they're well written i just i'm kind of like i'm played up with the timeline i'm just totally ready for something new or at the very least like give me a prequel Naboo fighter book or something like it's yeah. a, a new no, terrain I mean, I that's it. not just yeah. the same stuff
2: well and that's my hope for the third book is that like they're going to tie up loose ends like I'm really hoping Alphabet Squadron number three is going to be the book that kind of ex- gets us to understanding better, I guess, not completely understanding, but what happens in the end with Rise of Skywalker because, you know, we, we have some of that with Bloodline, we have some of that with Aftermath, We ha- so I, I'm really hoping that between Squadrons and Alphabet Squadron, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get the Messengers, and then, and then we'll leave it alone for the 25 years, you know, maybe I would be cool with some Luke stuff, I'm not like, we need Luke new Training Temple stuff, because I kind of like that being a mystery, um, but I think if they do that with the third book then then you've really hit a good mark but if the third book becomes just another empire versus rebellion thing it's like yeah i i would say like didn't we already do that with aftermath and didn't we already do that with these other things so sam i kind of interrupted you so i'm gonna, i'm gonna throw it back to you and let you say what you wanted to say
3: well no i i guess i i hadn't thought about like black spire or you know um some of the other uh i can't remember the animated series name resistance like we have had some post-Return of the Jedi stuff, but I don't feel like there has been that much. So I guess I would still consider that new territory, although it is kind of rehashing the same old story of Empire versus... Uh, well, it, it technically isn't Empire versus Rebels. It's ex um, empire versus New Republic. Um, but I I could see where... I, it, and again, I, I think this is where we're all coming back to the same thing where I think Zach is right, where we do we would benefit from something like The High Republic, which we are getting, where we we do need a fresh start. Again, I think that we're all looking for different things when we look for a story. Um, I'm, again, an avid fighter um, you know, pilot fan, so for me, I already have a one-up in liking the story, so perhaps I look past a lot of the things that other people don't like. Um, And I also feel like this is a a independent story that doesn't need to be propped up by other stories happening around it, which in my personal opinion, I feel like both of the Queen uh, Shadow and Peril books are, and this is, again, I am not trying to turn this into a review like that. It's just, I just finished it like yesterday. And I just feel like, again, it is interesting additive materials, but I don't find it necessary materials. And it, it left me feeling like I I either wanted more of all the characters or I didn't need any of it. Where, again, it was only a six-hour listen. That's nothing. I could have used double the length and gotten more story and cared more about them where it felt like, and then they did this, and then we're going to jump ahead a bunch because you already saw that part of the movie. And here's this other interesting thing. And we're going to jump ahead because you already saw that part of the movie. So I, I, I think that I'm excited to see where Alphabet Squadron resolves and what it might lead up to for... Some understanding of the you know maybe the beginning of seven or, or importance in eight or nine, but I don't want to beat a um uh you know beat a horse on um,
2: beat it beat a dead bantha. <laughs> yeah,
3: thank you. I was thinking. I'm trying to think of a, a good clever Star Wars parody. Failing out. But so I,
2: so you I, said something there that's really interesting about you know like this book being like right up your alley, which. I really relate to with, obviously, Ahsoka being, like, my center of my life. Uh, the the uh, Martez sisters arc in Clone Wars, I get so frustrated with people because I'm like, this is so important to her character. And other people are like, I didn't like it at all. Like, it's not a good arc. And I'm like, no, you don't understand, you know? So I think that's something that is really interesting about Star Wars is you do have so many different styles of storytelling and so many different areas to tell stories in and I think for us as like the the hardcore fans who are almost completionists if you will, like mm-hmm. it can get a little tiring, but then also we get excited about certain things, like I finished Queen's Peril in like two or three days uh, I finished it because, in one yeah like it was just it really like we did our review on it you guys can go listen to that but it it was it was i really enjoyed it right and so i guess my my question to kind of close things out Lindsay, is you are a completionist you're reading everything usually like the day it comes out somehow you finish stuff before you even have it in your hands i don't even understand how you read that quickly (laughs) but being a completionist do you ever get like worn out of a certain type of of idea or concept? uh, Or is it something that you're like, all right, well, I guess this just wasn't for me.
1: Um, I do get worn out more so when it's the same character doing the same thing over and over. You know, the best example is with the exception of the audio drama, but the um, first run of the Afra comic, it's like after a few arcs, I can only do this so many times. Whereas when you can vary up the locations, the characters, the timeline, then it's a little bit more interesting because you can look at it in a cultural aspect instead of an individualistic aspect. But a lot of things, unfortunately, in Shadowfall are starting to get a little bit tiring I I think it's best when it is dealing with the relationship between the five people and how each one of them are dealing with the PTSD.
2: Yeah, I think I think I think this book did a good job of setting up uh, uh, book three. And and I think it's going to be something like, you know, Empire got mixed reviews when it came out. But then once you see Return of the Jedi, you're like, oh, yes, like Return of the Jedi makes Empire so much better. Um, you know, it's a good, solid movie on its own too. um, Well, yeah, it's star Wars. Everything gets crapped on, but like when you have the full context of the story, it's something that, you know, we can understand a little bit better. And and Sam, I, I, think, you know, you made some really good points about, you know, how the characters are broken and messed up and dirty and they're not easy to understand. And that is why they, they are going through the same struggle over and over again. So we shall see in uh Shadowfall number two. No, Alphabet Squadron number three. I don't know. I don't know what you call it. But the next book that comes out in the in the trilogy, uh which I think Stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. Uh come back in twenty twenty one. Uh if we're all still alive. So <laughs> I kinda wanted to have a little fun, uh Zach and Sam, and because. Uh, We were talking, uh, Drew uh, read this book as well, and he was trying to figure out which member of Clashing Sabers goes with which character from Alphabet Squadron. So, you have me, you have Lindsay, you have Drew, Adriana, and Mark. I want each of you to assign one of us to a parallel character in Alphabet Squad. And Sam, I'm going to let you go first, because I feel like putting you on the spot.
3: Oh, boy. Okay. Um... Well, 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 um, I would say for you, Brandon, I, I gotta give you Will Lark, and I, you may, and I don't know if you'll agree with that, but I, I don't know, I, it's funny, you talk to me like, ah, I'm just, I, uh, I want to do things harder, and I'm like, you just seem so nice, I don't know about that, like, you know, I mean, like, I, I would like to be seen as
2: Will, so I will take that,
3: absolutely take right.
2: that, and,
3: Lindsay, 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 Lindsay. Um, boy, it's, I, I know Lindsay's rambunctious, so I feel like giving her the chess vibes just makes sense because, like, I've seen her her videos, and there's there's a lot of chess and a going on there. Um, and then as far as Scrapper, the 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 other hosts. Could I be reminded of their names again? <laughs> Adriana and Mark <laughs> <I> and <laughs> Drew. I don't I know feel if like I can I think only, only an has accurate... to do
1: me and you. I think it's I only okay. Just do the two of us.
2: <sighs> Fine. I wanted to make it more challenging, but Lindsay's got to be the nice one. Now we're talking about who's like Will. Uh, all right. Uh, wow. So then, Zach, I'll let you play Lindsay's game of which one of us is <laughs> which.
0: I would put you. I, I actually agree with Sam on this one. I would put you with will, but I feel like knowing you, I feel like you can be a little bit I, I don't know you enough to assume but just based on what we have talked about before, I feel like you do tend to beat yourself up a little bit. So'm I'm, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a little bit of um, Erica just a little bit. Okay, just a little bit, a little, yeah, little ta- light, Erica.
3: I'll Lizzie, take that.
0: You, your chest, like you, 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 Thanks, could, guys. you could kick. You could kick my ass. So I mean, it's like it's fine. Like a lot of she
3: could, if she could kick your ass, then she could actually eliminate me from existence.
0: Like, let's be real. <laughs> oh, dude, it's not about size. Like sh- I've seen maneuvers she makes. Like no, without a second, it's just like boom to the temple. Done. Ow, ah. Dunzo. S- size matters not maybe tickles. no yeah, definitely doesn't that's what i'm <laughs> saying
2: <laughs> okay so that will wrap up our review of Shadowfall, and uh you guys know we're gonna have you back on when when we get that third book in uh i think it comes out next year so um hopefully hopefully printers can get back up and we can start getting uh some books uh, to actually come out when they're planned to come out so we'll see uh what happens there but until then um uh, i mean i'm sure we will have you guys on for for something else because we always enjoy uh collaborating with sith talk and so if people want to uh to check you guys out where where can they do that
0: uh, you can find us uh, at Sith Talk under the Adapter Media feed on all places podcasts are found. Um, we have a Sith Talk Instagram page that you can contact us, message us. We love talking about anything Star Wars, any kind of topics you guys want to talk about. That kind of stuff's a lot of fun to us, especially when we get the random ones that are just like, oh man, I haven't thought of that. Um, we also have a t-shirt or a T-Public shirt or at public um which is under adapter media where you can check out different Sith talk masks. I even think they have like a Lord of lore mask or whatever. It's been a minute. Um, But yeah, that's where you can find us. I mean, you can find me talking all things, star Wars, comic books, fitness. I'm a broken holocron as Sam said. So that's about it. Uh, But you can find me at Sith talker 25.
2: And Sam, where can people find you? And uh, what's, what's going on with your racing career?
3: Well, um, the racing career, that's thats what been, I've been doing the most of. I mean, I do want to apologize. I know Sith Talk had to take a bit of a hiatus just because of the uh, insanity of the move and everything. But, um, yeah, I, if, if anyone's ever bored, you go to Rice Motorsports TV on YouTube. And uh, every Sunday at 4 o'clock Central, we, we do a little race. And uh, not too bad. We're at Talladega this week. Talladega. Um, Tell it, there you go. We're going to go around the big 2.6 mile. Look for that Sith talk star, Marthy and Smout. <laughs> I cannot wait for things to get back to normal. I cannot wait to start getting back into the episode swing with Sith talk because we've had to take a hiatus. So I'm glad that you guys um, brought us on and remember us because we're, we're just a little podcast that so like to have fun.
2: And I mean,. y'all's show is definitely fun and and i think if if you're listening and you haven't listened to sith talk and you enjoy kind of the uh the the good relationship that the hosts of clashing sabers have but also being able to challenge each other and get into deep conversations i think you guys have a really good balance of that like star wars is just is fun and let's joke around and have a good time with it while also balancing you know uh being able to really as you guys showed today you know being able to analyze things on a really deep level so if you like us you will definitely like them uh go over and subscribe to adapter media you guys have how many how many shows do you have on the feed now oh boy Uh, it's 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 a few
0: yeah yeah it's it's a decent amount we were a weekly we still are a weekly show but like i said it's it's kind of one of those things where we needed to recharge our batteries we'll have an episode up this friday and we'll be back into the swing of things but i don't think we missed like, aside from maybe two weeks in the last, like, two years. So when he this was moving... biggest break. Yeah, we just... We didn't need a break. I needed to recharge my battery so I could get other topics. And I'm kind of getting fired up about a, a lot of different things in Star Wars. And I'd say that with Sith Talk, you know, it's... The, the funnest part about Sith Talk with us is you never know when one of us is going to have a seriously twisted idea and go. <laughs> that's the only thing like hey, you can think it's hey. the safest subject but it just it turns into a rant and then
3: it, murder sam shows up
2: oh god oh you guys are gonna have to go over to adapter media to get more of that and uh and listen to their other shows as well uh like i said it's really nice because you guys have s- so many different kinds of shows in your feed um, that every now and then something will pop up that just gets you really excited. Uh, like I remember there was the review of Lock and Key came out right after I'd finished the series and just wanted some mm-hmm. more. Uh, so definitely go over there and uh, and give them a a follow and a subscribe. And if you want to uh, get some more, if you're coming over from Sith Talk to check out Clashing Sabers, uh, you can Absolutely. obviously subscribe to us wherever you're listening to us right now. We are on all the major podcasters of choice And also on YouTube, Uh, you can, of course, like I said, uh, our Patreon is patreon.com slash clashing sabers. So if you uh, like us, uh, you know, make your own coffee at home one day instead of going to Starbucks and uh, get a kid a book. There you go. There's a good guilt trip for you. If you want to hang out with us uh, on the interwebs and uh, and see all that we have going on, you, of course, can do that in our Facebook group or on Twitter at Clashing Sabers. And, uh, you know, we've got, we've got some things in the works. Speaking of, uh, you know, relating to Star Wars to, to other things and getting into other things, there's uh, Cursed is out there now, and uh, we'll have some articles about the connection between that and Star Wars. So that will be over on clashingsavers.net which is where you can find our articles and all our other uh goodies. So if you just go over there you can find literally everything you need to know about us except for how amazing Lindsay is. So with that in mind, Lindsay, tell them where they can see about all the awesome things that you are doing and they can feel a little bit terrified of uh of going to New York <laughs> for something other than COVID.
1: <laughs> well, not that I've been doing much of anything crazy interesting lately, certainly not going to Talagata. Um, but you can always find me on Twitter at The Lady of Lore, as Zach has so kindly christened me. Uh, and then also, if you want to see me punching people andor things, uh, you can find me over on Instagram at Full Force Lindsay. Otherwise, I'm always in our Facebook
2: community. Awesome. So until next time, remember keep reading, keep writing, but whatever you do, Don't burn the sacred text.
0: making fun of me no i'd be much too frightened to tease a senator